Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is Cougar Sports with Ben Criddle on ESPN 960. And it's time for Keeping Up with the Cougars. Brought to you by DentalProsOfUtah.com. Welcome back, Cougar Sports ESPN 960. This is Cougar Country. I'm Ben Criddle, broadcasting live from our Les Schwab Tire Studios, leschwab.com. Save up to $250 right now when you buy a set of four select tires with financing. Brandon C. Gertie by my side. Gavin Lee on the social. Ronald Weaver III behind the glass. A little, uh, a little uh, conglomeration of uh, keeping up with the Cougars and Cougars and the pros here as we break down all the 53-man rosters and give you updates on what's going on out there in Cougar Country. This segment going to be brought to you by Dental Pros of Utah, dentalprosofutah.com. If you've been told you need a filling, a crown, a root canal, just get a second opinion at Dental Pros of Utah in American Fork today. Let's get out to the ESPN 960 hotline. Welcome in former BYU great Super Bowl champion. we got Brady Papinga on the line. B-Pop, how you doing, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, Ben. How you doing, bud? Always doing good, man. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a good day so far. A lot of BYU Cougars making 53-man rosters. Some of them getting released, but I imagine some of these guys are going to find their way onto a practice squad. And so who better than to uh, discuss this with a guy that's been through this process many times, I think eight, nine years of this process. So I appreciate you joining us to talk a little Cougars in the pro slash uh, keeping up with the Cougars. Always a pleasure there, Ben. So walk us through this. Uh, what is this like when you're kind of on the the borderline? Like you don't know if you're going to make the 53-man roster. And then also give us a kind of some perspective of when you're like, you know, you're 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 pretty much 100% certain that you're going to be on the 53-man and, and uh, what that actually means. Well, yeah, I mean, you get a pretty good feel. Um, I'd say at least 90% of the players, maybe 95, uh, going into the last couple of weeks, where you stand because they're going to start already putting you in the depth chart where you need to be. For example, when I went to St. Louis, my seventh year, when I showed up, you know, I started out as a third on the third string and then I kept playing well, kept playing well. And all of a sudden they bumped me up the first string and then they had a first stringer that they paid pretty good money to named Nile Diggs. And ironically, the same thing kind of happened to him in Green Bay. Uh, he and I were both teammates there too. And uh, when they put me as a starter and they demoted him to the second team, basically they just both got together and said, hey, uh, you know, let's, let's just part ways and certainly in the process. And then Niel, he, they cut him and they went on the, you know, he went on the market and then he got picked up by the Chargers at the time. And, uh, and it just would have been for him kind of like just going through the motions because he knows he was going to get cut by the end of the, the whole process. So most guys know where they're standing really quick in the process. And then by the time you get to the last week, there's some surprises. Like when I was a rookie, we uh, were taking our team photo. And this is like the day after supposedly everybody, you know, the 50-man roster was set and everything like that. And lo and behold, we take our team photo and we go into this like walkthrough practice to start the week. And two of the guys that were on the team photo got cut. <laughs> <laughs> And so in 2005, wow. uh, yeah, two guys that were thinking that they were on the team ended up not being on the team, and it's because of what you just mentioned. There's guys that get cut, and they either become free agents or they get put on the waiver wire, which is a different – it's, it's basically restricted free agency, meaning you get – basically you become available, but teams have uh, – they're in a line, and the teams with the worst record the previous year get, get the first chance at you in terms of being able to sign. And it just kind of goes, and, and it's not like 
you can even get into a bidding war. It's either yes, we want to sign because your 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 salary is already fixed. It's either yes, we want to sign that player, or no, we'll pass and it goes the next team, the next team, the next team, the next team. And so with the Packers at the time, we were kind of like twentieth, I think. And so that's what they were doing is they had some guys that they had targeted. They didn't know if they're going to be able to get them or not through the waiver wire, based off of if other teams wanted them. And so they they had the guys that they thought would be on the team, you know. And so it's just it's a really crazy sometimes it's inexplicable with business side, you know. And so I remember oh uh, my rookie year Al Harris, he played in the NFL 15 years, probably one of the best press corner cover guys that I've ever seen. And uh, he would go around and congratulate. When, once we knew, and when you know you're on the 53 is when they start game, when, when your team game plans and you're in the game plan. <laughs> you know, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm going to, obviously they're going to use me in the game, so I'm on the team. And uh, at that point, you know, he would go around. I remember in the weight room, he'd go up to every single guy and congratulate, hey, congratulations, congratulations. And, uh, you know, and I, and I was like, that's interesting. I looked at his history, you know, and he had been a guy that in his first few years in the NFL was, he couldn't stick, you know, he'd, he'd get on the team, get on the practice squad, bounce around. And so he gained this tremendous appreciation for being on the team, even though like he was pretty much guaranteed to be on the team based just off of his contract situation where you have a lot of money guaranteed towards the guy. So I've seen it all, you know, and nothing, nothing can be surprising. Nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is, is you learn really quick is you just can't take anything for granted. You just really never know what can happen, but, there's always good signs. Like I said, if you're involved in a game plan and they have a specific role for you in that game plan, you're most likely on the team. You know, and then if you get to being uh, vested, as long as you're on the team after the first week, your your salary is guaranteed for that year. So after that, you know, 99% of the guys, they know, okay, I'm not going to get messed with the rest of you. You just got to get through that first week. So, yeah, it's, it comes in phases, you know. But uh, but overall, like I said, you get a real feel for it really early on in the process. And people have to remember too, in these ninety-three man rosters that you know you've been hearing about all off season, they know the teams know who the fifty-three is going to be, with the exception of one or two guys, and then they, they don't know who may get injured either. You know, so that also throws a little curveball into the action. But mostly, most of the guys are just there just to be practice bodies guys that they're kind of poking and prying, seeing what can happen. And then, like I said, insurance policies, some some guys go down. Brady Papinga here on ESPN 960. Uh, breaking down the 53-man rosters right now in the league and discussing that process. Uh, who would you say, give me an example of someone that you felt, maybe when you were playing, or maybe it's just uh, maybe a recent example of a guy that, was released or cut or let go and should have still been in the NFL playing? <laughs> well, the biggest one was Taysom. Because I, yeah. I, I talked to everybody I could in Green Bay that you don't want to – because I just knew Taysom was such a raw talent. Because he had literally just – any time that he was starting to emerge and do blossom, it's like he would hurt his foot or he had that – uh, elbow injury, or I mean, it was just one thing after that. College, like those kind of guys that have that much upside, and they're not paying a lot for him because he's an unrestricted free agent at that time. I was like, and he's a quarterback, and I knew their philosophy. Their philosophy used to be, hey, we want to pot- compile many quarterbacks as we can. You know, I know Aaron was a starter at that time. I think the backup was Tyler Hundley, and uh, and so I re- all the guys, like the scout that came after that, that scouted me and really got me into the Packers. I told him, named Sammy Fields, I was like, dude, do not blow it with this guy. I'm just telling you right now. The moment, and I said, and dude, because a big strategy, what they try to do too, is they try to hide guys on the waiver wire. You know, they try to cut the guy and then they'll negotiate with him and say, hey, we'll still give you the same salary as if you were on the roster, but we want you on the practice squad. And to be on the practice squad, you have to hit the waiver wire first, meaning you're available for other teams to sign to their active roster, and if you pass through that, which is a day or so, you can then be signed back to a team's practice squad, and that's what the Packers try to do. They try to, you know, and sure enough, he gets signed by the Saints, and I'm just like, dude, you guys blew that. I mean, just blew it. And so I, I saw Sammy Steele. I was covering college football at the time. I saw Sammy Steele, the West Coast scout for the Packers, and I just like, I go, if there's one dumb thing you guys have done, I go, that's it. And he got so offended. I mean, he was extremely <laughs> offended. He was pretty he couldn't even. I go. He, he told me in uh, like pre-draft workouts and in the OTAs that he couldn't throw the ball. Right? 
Yeah. And then I asked him, I go, well, what happened the preseason, man? He just, like, what, all of a sudden changed? He's like, I go, what do you guys do? How do you critique your players? You know, is it the OTAs or is it actually in the preseason? You know, like when games are happening, I go to the games, he was phenomenal. And he just, he had no answer, you know? So it's just like, to me, it, like, I, whether you agree or not with certain decisions, and this is just general in life, to me it's always like, at least have a good explanation as to why you do something. And when he couldn't give me a good explanation, it only made me more annoying, you know, about that situation. So, okay. <laughs> yeah, well, Taysom's made some hay with the, the the Saints. They love him there. Maybe not at quarterback full time. Do you think he'll ever get that opportunity again, or do you think uh, Taysom has his role in the league and he's going to stick to it? No, nah, I mean he's the NFL is such a fickle. Everything's changing league. You know, all it takes for the Saints to struggle and there to need to be some kind of like spark. And then all that needs to happen is Taysom to be that spark. And it's like, how could you go against that? You know, but I, I, I do not have a lot of confidence in Dennis Allen. You know, I think Dennis Allen kind of missed that opportunity last year with Taysom when Taysom won the NFC player of the week against the Seattle Seahawks. Purely, he was a lightning rod, you know, and then uh, the next week it's like, oh, we're going to give him 10 plays. Eh, we're going to give him 15. And that, in, in reality, it, it helps Taysom in his career because it elongates his career because he's only playing in 10 to 15 plays a game. It's, you know, likelihood that he's able to maintain his health and keep playing is better. And teams, I'm telling you right now, and if, as long as Sean Payton's in the league, the Saints are not going to – because the thing, too, there's a lot of ego in this league, okay? And the worst-case scenario for the Saints would be to cut Taysom, Sean Payton pick him up, and all of a sudden – Taysom becomes like a franchise quarterback with the Denver Broncos. She has the capability of being. You know how bad the Saints would look? And every single person that made that decision to let him go, look, it would be like, it, it would almost be like, first, their ego would get destroyed because they would look like they're idiots. And the second thing that would happen is that they would become essentially kind of blackballed in NFL standards, which means like you have such a disastrous personnel transaction that we, we don't even want you. You know, if you got fired, let's say. We didn't even want you as a GM. You know, Mickey Loomis would have to be like an assistant GM or a college, you know, a, a director of college scouting. So anyway, point is, is like, it's totally possible. And as long as he stays where he is, and he's the guy, if anything, that could have that effect where all of a sudden he explodes and leads the team to some crazy Super championship and everybody's like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And they're like, well, yeah, we, we knew that all along. But at the same time, it's the same end of the spectrum but on the other side where it could be like, yeah, maybe maybe he's just pigeonholed into this role and that's how he rides out in the sunset. It's a very unpredictable league, man. Indeed it is. It's a flaky, fickle league. And uh, uh, it's a it's a difficult thing to, to find a, a long-tenured career in the NFL. Average expectancy of a career is what, like two and a half years right now, maybe three? Three years. Why, why, why is that, uh, B-Pop? Give me your synopsis. Why is it only a three-year tenure typically for these players? Well, there's two mechanisms in place. The fourth year is when a player becomes vested, and that's when you get guaranteed benefits the teams are going to be on the hook for. And then the other reason is, is usually by the third year, you, you know the direct, like, you get pigeonholed, right? And uh, pigeonholing is good for some. If you can get into a good scheme, it's not good for others. If you get into a rough scheme, and I mean, you know, like Ben John Beck is an interesting example. Brady Quinn is another one. You can you can go off a lot of really talented quarterbacks that the the first few years of their career were big struggles, and it wasn't due to even to their own doing. It was purely because of the situation, whether it's general manager, coach, owner that just gives up, or there's a lot of things that happen, and all of a sudden you become defined by that. Like, you have to absorb that, even though it's not even all of your fault. And then in the NFL, that's... Because you got to understand, it's like there are scouting departments. There are ways to evaluate talent. None of it's an exact science, and it's extremely limited in terms of fully understanding the capabilities and predicting the capabilities of any given player. So the easiest thing to do, if you're these, these scouts, to be able to compartmentalize talent is just to pigeonhole guys. So, okay, he's this guy, he's that guy, he's this kind of guy. And not really look any deeper because they just don't have the resources. It's not even their own fault. It's just humanly impossible to be able to, like, do a re- like on Taysom, to do the research, look at his abilities as a quarterback, and say, oh, wow, he can, he can totally fit, 
because you've already seen him do stuff as a tight end. You've seen him throw some passes as a quarterback that maybe you're not impressed with. So you're just going to just immediately jump to a conclusion because you don't have time to dig deeper. You don't have time in order, nor even the resources to figure out what's going on there. And there's other players out there that seem to be easier to evaluate. And so based off of that, by your third year, you're pigeonholed. And some guys, some guys are pigeonholed to where it's like, okay, you hit your max, and now you're no longer able to, you know, to grow, and you're you're just not like they just look at you as not being a valuable commodity anymore. And that happens to a lot of guys. Crazy stuff, man. Uh, wild and raucous world is the NFL. Brady Papinga here on ESPN nine sixty. A uh, little keeping up with the Cougars and Cougars in the pros conversation. We're, we're uh, getting information on players that have been released uh, that uh, are kind of on that borderline. Uh, Chris Wilcox, I think, just recently got released from the Steelers. A lot of these guys will be retained on practice squads. What's that transition like? What is it like to go on waivers like this and, uh, and uh, have, I guess, your agents and or yourself negotiate uh, that next deal, that next opportunity? I've never been on waivers. Outside of no, I've never been on because <laughs> yeah. after you're vested, if you ever get cut, you don't go on waivers. You just automatically become a free agent, right? Hmm. Um, but what yeah. I hear of is that yeah, like I said, when you go on to waivers, like right now, like any any guy that's cut, boom, you're on the waiver wire, and you're on the waiver wire, I believe, for 24 hours. And all that means is is that the NFL will gain, give access to those players on the waiver wire first to the teams that have the worst record, and it's a yes or no. Because the, the contract, the, the, the salary is not negotiable. It's already fixed. And so you'll start with the worst team, and you'll just start to work down as to, yes, we want this guy, nope, nope. And then if you go through the whole waiver wire for 24 hours and everybody says no, then you're capable of signing with anybody. Again, they because stuff could happen, and, they can come, and then you don't have to go through the same kind of sequence of having to give everybody the right of refusal. That's a positive. And the other thing that you become available to be on the practice squad. And then at that point, when you're evaluating practice squad and those kinds of things, you're just looking at where am I going to be able to get the best chance to make a team to contribute. So, you know, you're looking at who's, you know, what the, what the position group looks like, what the scheme looks like, what, you know, do you have experience in that scheme? And so it becomes a fit because that's what the NFL is really about. And I think that, I emphasize that a lot, but I'll give you an example. You know, you look at Fred Warner. If Fred Warner is drafted almost any other place, and they're like, yeah, we don't like you as a bike. We want you as a will linebacker. And instead of being a will linebacker that runs and hits and covers, we want you to be the thumper. And guess what? He is not an all-pro player. Sorry. Okay? Kyle Van Noy is another example. If he's immediately drafted by the, the uh, you know, Pittsburgh Steelers, let's say out of, out of BYU or uh, New England Patriots where he ended up, he becomes like a perennial all-pro player like Fred Warner did, just per- purely off circumstance. So whenever you get a chance to choose a team, which obviously you don't get that chance if you're drafted, if you're a free agent, you do get that chance. But even so, if you're on the waiver wire or pass through it, because even on the waiver wire, you don't get to choose. That's the thing that people don't realize either. you got to, like, whoever takes you, they have your rights. I mean, you can refuse to pay or play, and then you refuse to play. And so... If you become free and have the ability to choose, you got to look at where do I best fit, you know. And that's that hard. That sometimes is really hard because fitting is a lot of times how the coaches see you, your relationship with the coaches, and then the schematic element too. Lots of moving parts, no doubt. Brady Pinga breaking it all down here on ESPN nine sixty. As far as the Cougars and the pros right now, that. Uh, you're you're kind of keeping an eye on maybe some of the new Cougars that are trying to make a a roster. Is there any particular stories or players that you're kind of keeping an eye on that you're most intrigued by? Whether it's maybe a Puka Nakua, Chris Brooks looks to have made the 53 man roster. Kyrus Tonga may be a starter along that uh, Vikings defensive line. Anyone that stood out to you? But Chris Brooks was interesting because he does fit the role of a, a really nice physical running back, which a lot of teams look for, because that's that's one thing, like, running backs are generally a dime a dozen, but that physical pounder is more difficult to find than those slashers or middle road guys that are just solid all around. So that's one advantage, and it's nice to see him, because you saw that potential when he was at BYU, when he was healthy, that he could be impactful in that capacity. I think Puka's really fun, because 
the fit is exactly what it is. You know, and I, and I think a lot of trying to predict how he's going to be in the NFL is difficult uh, because it, you can't really quantify his ability to compete and win those 50-50 balls corners in the NFL. You can't. Mm-hmm. You have to see it. And he's showing it right now. So, uh, you know, those two guys, but I think Puka's the most fascinating. But I think he could really be an impactful guy to where he makes like an all rookie team and really becomes a pillar wide receiver for the, for the Rams. When you think of all-time great receivers in BYU football history, um, Puka was was injured a lot. Seems they didn't really reach his full potential statistically. You think of Austin Colley. Maybe people think of Dax Milne, too. He's in the league. Very few wide receivers from BYU have made it to the league, been drafted in the league, and then been retained uh, on 53-man rosters. I think we know some of the reasons why that, that is the case, right? But... Uh, it, it does seem that there's what, what a good it, movement right now in the right direction. Wait, with, what, uh, you, whoa, whoa, what are you what are you replying, man? Tell me what are you thinking. <laughs> what am I thinking? I, I think like defensive back. I think wide receiver's been a tough position to recruit to BYU for as long as uh, I can remember. How can you say that BYU is one of the most prolific passing offenses in the history of college football, which means your receivers have to be pretty darn good. No, I agree. I think I they are they good. I mean, Eric I Drage, Eric Drage, and Margin Hooks are both top five statistic, statistically speaking wide receivers. Cody Hoffman is arguably the best wide receiver from a uh, from a production standpoint. Cody, for whatever reason, didn't make it in the league. He went to the Senior Bowl. Per reports, there wasn't able to get off press coverage. Wasn't able to make plays. Yeah. Maybe impress with his athleticism. I mean, he was a great. Wide receiver, a phenomenal wide receiver for BYU. Yeah. So you look at margin. You look at. Yeah. You look at. Uh, you know, Drage. You look at uh, Cody. These are top five wide receivers in BYU football history, and they weren't able to, you know, find a place in the league. It. it you know, I it just. Uh, it's an interesting commentary. What are the reasons for that? Do you think? Yeah, I think a lot is. What my came into my head is you know you think of margin hooks, you think of. A lot of these guys that you mentioned, and when they went to the combine or test their their, their quantifiables, they, they didn't have the quantifiables that really just jumped out at you as sound evaluators in the NFL. You know, and then from there, if you're if you don't have the intangibles or I could say the quantifiables, then you got to look at the film again. And I would say historically, for whatever reason, I don't know what it is. BYU has always struggled against press man. I don't know what it is, and you brought Cody Hoffman, and that's exactly right, because that's how I envision him. Like, if you play off on him, he was almost unstoppable because of how yeah. physical he was and all that. But as soon as you got him in the press man, he didn't seem to have the release technique down enough to be able to gain separation. And if there was separation, they already knocked him so much off the timing of his route that he's pretty much out of the picture in terms of the route progression and an option. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting thing. It's almost like... And in the NFL, by the way, press man is like the number one implemented coverage. The number one. That's every corner's got to be able to do it. Every receiver has to be able to defeat it. If not, you can't play. Like you would literally be eliminated. So, uh, so I, I would say it has more to do with that. This guy's not showing when when they have the opportunity that their game can translate. And it's just it's just a very ironic deal, you know. Because mm-hmm. think of all the offenses, mostly in the NFL, that are ran are pretty much. You know, related to the BYU offense that we've seen since 1979 or late 70s, you know, when they really started throwing the ball. So it's a fascinating kind of trend that you would think would be different based off of their offensive production through the air. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. I mean, shoot. I mean, Todd Watkins is a good example of, uh, you know, bringing in a Juco guy with elite speed, and he makes it in the NFL for five years. Yeah. He's one of the few wide receivers, I mean, in the technical, I guess, the last, the modern era over 20 years uh, that uh, made it in the league. Uh, I think at BYU, 1,700 yards. He was uh, 15 touchdowns, really good deep threat. The number one deep threat going into 2005, I believe he was, rated by Sports Illustrated. So you, you have, like, Mike Reed, not an NFL guy, but highly productive at BYU, over 1,600 yards receiving. Yeah. Uh, Kozlowski, right? Kozlowski, he, he made it in the league and in the era bygone, in the 80s, in the good old days. G-Man loves to talk about the 80s, whether it's the music or the football players. That's when he became a fan, so yeah. Kozlowski. Uh, Mitch Matthews is an interesting uh, study. 
as a six foot six, you know, two hundred and five pound yeah. wide receiver with like four four speed. He made it in the league, but wasn't able to stick in the league. Maybe he was a bit of a, I don't know, tweener. Maybe he didn't like to block. I don't know. I mean, he seems like he would meet the specifications Absolutely. for like a, a NFL wide receiver as far as height and speed is concerned. Yeah, but it's more than that because it's, it's, winning in the NFL isn't about straight line speed. Mm-hmm. It's about how you, it's about drastic changes in speed. That's what it comes down to. So it's an ability to, to basically start and stop with high, high levels of degrees of differences of speed, changes of speed. Like, a great example of this would be Steph Curry. If you've seen him play basketball, people wonder, oh, he's got limited athletic abilities, not very explosive, but how is he getting around guys with complete athletic ability? And it's because he's mastered the ability to change speed. You're able to lull, for example, you're able to lull a defender to sleep and then boom, burst into it a speed move from a slow move and you catch them off guard because the defender's always reacting to your move. And so if you can get them to react a step slower to your change of speed, you can be slower in linear speed to that defender, but still beat them because they're already behind you because they're reacting to you. And so that's really what it comes down to is that you have to be able to change this, have that change of speed ability, which these guys have had great linear speed, but that change of speed ability is where they last. And, that's, and that also ties with their inability to get off the press man and those kinds of things. That's uh, a good breakdown. And, and uh, yeah, it's uh, I like that. Like we, we were actually discussing Cody Epps off the air today, and I said, look, his start-stop-start start ability is really good. Can Is he durable enough to make it for a season? And that's been his issue is just staying healthy. Uh, because when he is, he's uh, he's def- definitely difficult to guard. So that ability to to get in and out of your breaks, um, you know, create separation and and a minimal amount of time, uh, being precise in your footwork is uh, is of critical uh, importance as a wide receiver. So, uh, B Pop, before we let you go, appreciate you hopping on. Uh, give us an update on uh, on the sports performance room and how the XPT is playing a role at BYU. Yeah, well, Skyler Main, you know, texted me not too long ago and says that the guys are really liking it because they're able to deload. And what that means is when they get sore and tired, they're still able to work at high levels of force and power production, but they're not having to put a lot of weight on the bar. And that's one thing that I've really benefited from. That's one thing that really jumped out at me about the design of the XPT Pro and then also the motor systems is being able to basically not overstress your body, but still keep training in a very explosive, fast, forceful way and that's really been one thing that's been difficult to achieve over i don't know how many years performance training has been implemented is having that ability to not just burn your body but still stay strong it's either you burn your body or you get weak so with the xbt they're able to do both where you're able to get guys fresh but then at the same time you're not compromising their force power speed production and so that's that's good to hear because it's exactly why at age 44 kind of be here 44 in september I've been able to maintain a lot of those same attributes that I had that made me a, you know, an NFL caliber player, which is nice. It's good for just, you know, overall health and wellness. It's good for, you know, quality of life and those kinds of things of feeling. Cause it's so fascinating how like people play sports in high school. Maybe some go on to college. Very few obviously go to the pros, but after that, it's like the training becomes, Hey, I'm going to be a bodybuilder. I'm going to be a cross country runner. <laughs> you know, it's so weird. Because it's like those are the kind of things that actually put more stress on your body, those high reps, high-volume workouts that a bodybuilder does. Running half marathons, mud rudders, yeah, they're fun. But, man, if you're training for those, that's terrible, terrible wear and tear on your body. And so the question is, is why don't we just continue to train as an athlete? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and most people think, well, then I need bumper plates, and then I need to do this. And it's like, no, get yourself an XPT rack, you know, or something. And you don't even need to be an XPT rack. Get yourself to get a bar that you can launch. You know, get something that you can throw and not have to absorb that. And then you can train those explosive movements and do plyometrics and stay like an athlete. Because that's my philosophy is train like an athlete for life. And I think that's going to be far more beneficial than if you're just, you know, going to be a bodybuilder. Not to say it's bad. If you like that, great. Uh, or if you go to be, you know, a long distance runner, again, it's not bad, but it's just not the most least impactful way to stay in shape, you know. And so it's a, it's a fascinating thing. And so, that's the benefit of the XPT. You're able to train like an athlete for life. And, we, and I think we all would rather be athletic than not. So. Yeah, 
I love that breakdown for those weekend warriors that are looking to stay uh, athletic. you got to check out the XPT. How can they learn more about the XPT, B-Pop? Yeah, you go to our website, which is www.thexpt.com. You can find all of our products and information there. We're having a Labor Day sale where you're able to get 15% off extra, including free shipping. Uh, and then the offer will expire after those. Things. So if you're going to buy an XPT, I think the balance is time to do it. Love that. Brady Papinga, ladies and gentlemen. B-Pop, always a pleasure, man. Great insight, as always. We'll catch up with you again soon. Excited for this college football season. BYU football right around the corner. We'll get you on again soon. Uh, probably next week to recap uh, this uh, this BYU game one. Actually, i, I got to ask you a question before you leave. What, what do you think? How much man, how much zone? I asked this question earlier. What percentage of man, what percentage of zone do you think this team's, this defensive team is going to be running this season? That is a function of the opponent, and that is also a function of how well they're able to, like what, what coverage they're going to be able best to get out of down with. Yeah. So, I mean, to me, you got your core philosophy, and their core philosophy is they they're going to want to post safety, they're going to want man press, and run cover three off of that too, and, and then slip in, you know, you split safety stuff with that, maybe even split safety with some man press, which is two man. And then you're just going to have to see how guys hold up and how they drive. And, uh, but it's just, it's got to be just based off of their performance because you can't go into any kind of situation schematically and say, this is what we're going to do no matter what. No, you got to adapt to what guys end up kind of just naturally doing really well. That you're, you're kind of your, your, your stuff that you hang your hat on and then you just stick with that. And then you, the other stuff you keep developing on the side, but you don't, you don't ever abandon what makes, you know, your guys really good. You know, and so you got to, you got to fill it out in the games. You just never know. And they could have had a phenomenal camp, for example, doing press man, all of a sudden you get the games. It's a whole new story. A whole new deal in the games. Crazy stuff. Uh, excited for it. Uh, I think, uh, as you mentioned, the, the, the form and function will be determined by the opponent. Uh, but I like those base philosophies. Uh, with the attrition in the secondary, though, Micah Harper, Tal, and Alfrey, both experienced players, both strong safeties, does that uh, disrupt some of your plans on the back end uh, if you're uh, if you're trying to play a lot of man coverage? No, because you got your your main free safety is going to be the key there of all your safeties. Because if your strong safety is going to be going down to the box, he's going to basically turn into a linebacker, which would be a mm. curl flat defender. So you can, you got a plethora of guys that can go in there, whether it's a linebacker type body, another safety corner nickel, and have him run that curl flat. The key is that post safety. That post safety makes or breaks man coverage because they're either going to be able to cover a lot of ground and count as if there are two guys deep, even though there's one, or they're not. And so having that kind of guy to cover ground and, and really cover the field in the post safety position, whether it's zone or man, it's going to be a huge factor. Love it, man. Great breakdown. B-pop, Brady Papinga. Appreciate you, man. Let's uh, let's catch up uh, again soon after that Sam Houston game. Sounds Get like your plan, breakdown and analysis. All right, buddy. You have a good rest of your day. All right. Appreciate you, Brady Papinga. G-Man, any thoughts, any commentary? No, I think what he said about the just how you apply the man coverage in the zone, of course it's not going to be set. It's going to be a basis-by-basis basis thing. And that's why I'm so – glad that they open with Sam Houston State and SUU because you're, you can allow yourself some opportunity to work through some kicks that you wouldn't be allowed to otherwise. We'll go to break. Coming up next, more Cougar sports knowledge being dropped on you. Don't miss it. This is Cougar Sports on ESPN. Now the question becomes, what are you going to pick up for dinner? Ben Criddle tells you what you should pick up and also gives you the latest news that's cooking with BYU Sports in What's Cooking with the Cougars here on ESPN 960. Welcome back to Cougar Sports here on ESPN 960's Ben Criddle had to sit step out so i'm going to give you the cooking with the cougars brought to you by belt time grab your seat at the table where the game is on and the wings are hot with more tvs than tables we're ready to welcome you and your friends to an all-day breakfast lunch and dinner paired with cold beers and great drinks find your favorite pub now we're ser- they're also serving uh, championship level grub our craveable menu offerings are at 
the heart of who we are. Our signature entrees, sandwiches, pizzas, and appetizers stand above the rest in flavor, freshness, and quality. We smoke our own wings, hack out our own french fries and potato chips, and cook our own corned beef. It is this investment in recipe, process, and storage that has our team surprising uh, our guests with elevated food experience every day. Uh, cooking with the Cougars. Noah Lugo had a great performance this weekend for Eaton High School, accounting for ni- 290 total yards and four touchdowns versus Braswell. I expect that to continue. I'm buying the Noah Lugo hype. I think he's, I hate this term, but I'm going to use it here, a diamond in the rough. He's going to be a late bloomer. He's going to be that guy. Wow, why doesn't he not provide more college as well? Uh, Should have been on that. That way he's going to get him. Uh, he's been active on Twitter. Big Noah Lugo fan. Also from Kirk Bowles on Big 12 uh, Commissioner's remarks, uh, Sark said, uh, Steve Sarkeesian said, uh, you're trying to get me in trouble. I got a letter from the commissioner about sportsmanship the day before his speech. I'm guessing he's not going to have his Thanksgiving dinner with us. Let's not make it more than it is. Of course, this is in light of the Big 12 Commissioner saying, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going for Texas Tech. Uh, we don't want Texas to win that game. So anyway, Sark came back at him. Whatever. It, I, I love this stuff. I love the sniping. Don't don't just give the, the like, oh, we, we appreciate taxes. We pre-. No, no I, I like what your remark uh, said coming after Texas in that regard and start coming back. I love that kind of stuff. We need more of that stuff. Former Ole Miss star and uh, 2023 XFL Player of the Year quarterback Jordan Tom, who was waived yesterday from the Vikings. There was some concern that bringing him in in as a fourth arm at the end of camp that, that Jaron Hall could be waived, that did not happen. The Vikings would then hope to retain him on the practice squad. Not, not going to happen. Jaron Hall's had a good preseason. I think he's going to stick in the NFL. I think he's going to have the chance to become an eventual starter in the league when Kirk Cousins moves on. Uh, former uh, University of Washington uh, running back Miles Gaskins was released by Miami. So Chris Brooks makes the 53-team uh, roster, I think, is where we're at. Chris Brooks... Didn't start out very well with BYU. I think BYU fans were kind of disappointed with Chris Brooks, but it was due to injury. He was not at 100%. Sat out a few games. Ended the season, it was like, whoa, this guy is something. That bowl game ran rampant. That continued in the NFL preseason. He's looking fantastic. They're making moves. They're letting go of guys with NFL experience to accommodate him. Chris Brooks is continuing the tradition for BYU running back in the NFL. It's a thing. Guys are seeing it. Aiden Robbins, you cannot tell me that Aiden Robbins is a BYU today if not for the success of guys like Jamal Williams, Tyler Algier. L.J. Martin's been very blunt in saying, yeah, that's the thing. We like watching these guys. We like the credibility. We like that BYU is a program that we can excel at and go to the NFL. It's a big thing, and Chris Brooks hopes to add to that. Excited to see what's in store for Chris Brooks. Uh, playing for the Miami Dolphins, which is kind of an up-and-coming squad. Former BYU and Bingham High wide receiver Dax Milne is back on the commander's initial 53-man roster after averaging 6.2 yards uh, per catch on six receptions and one touchdown last year. The seventh pick in 2021 also added uh, 311 yards on 40 punt returns, 300 yards on 15 kickoff returns. Props to Dax Milne, a walk-on, a guy that's exceeded everyone's expectations and while doing in the NFL, sticks on the roster. Uh, great for him. For Zach Rosenblatt, PFF graded Zach Wilson as the 13th best quarterback of 65 among quarterbacks with at least 20 dropbacks in the preseason. Only ding- He only dinged them for one turnover-worthy pass. Played low-risk football. I think that's key with Zach Wilson. Uh, the, the criticism was that he, w- he was trying for the hero play too much when he was healthy, not checking down. Uh, so, th- so that's great to hear. Uh, 5.1 air yards per attempt, second lowest among quarterbacks with 20 dropbacks, but the Jets are starting from square one on him, so that's somewhat understandable. Still a ways to go in his development, but progress was made, right, Zach Rosenblatt. Uh, I'm excited about Zach Wilson. I, I'm excited at the position he's at. It, it's going to be good. We forget that this guy had no real tutorship. Uh, tutorship. I'm, I'm going criddle here, making up words, but uh, not a lot of tutoring his initial NFL season. Tragic death from his quarterback coach, I think, really stunted his growth and put him behind the eight ball. So this was necessary. He's going to step back. I think big things are coming from Zach Wilson. 
uh, with under the tutelage of Aaron Rodgers. I, uh, this is a great situation for him. Uh, also per, per PFF, the greatest, highest-graded defensive rookies this preseason, Caleb Hayes comes in at number eight with a grade of 83.5. But guess what? That wasn't good enough to make the 53-man roster for the Jacksonville Jaguars. The NFL's brutal. It's a brutal business. I hate that it's just 53-man rosters. That seems really low to me. Whenever I see that, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of surprised by it. I think it should be around 70, but that's just me. Uh, but, but Caleb Hayes, he puts up good stats, acquitted himself nicely in preseason. He should be a viable candidate to catch on with another squad. Uh, from campus to the pros, top rushing pipelines. Uh, well, we mentioned with Chris Brooks, uh, by alumni fantasy, uh, value NFL 2022 regular season, Alabama number one, of course, Alabama, 13 contributors in the NFL, Oklahoma second, 11 contributors, uh, guess who's third? It would be BYU, ahead of teams like Georgia, Ohio State, Penn State, Tennessee, Wisconsin. Wow, that's something. And it's because B-Wave gets top running backs. Uh, Jamal Williams is a frontline carrier. Tyler Algier, outstanding uh, freshman campaign. It's a thing. It's exciting. I love watching these guys play every Sunday. Uh, it, 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 it's just a fast, fantastic time for, for BYU football with regards to having guys in the NFL, which hasn't always been the case. BYU women's basketball concluded its 10-day tour of Italy on Thursday after going 3-0 and in exhibition contests against Spain, Iceland, and Latvia. The Cougars now prepare for their inaugural season as members of the Big 12 Conference, in which they will play a 31-game home slate, 13 non-conference games, followed by 18 Big 12 co- contests. Uh, the Big 12 ter- tournament and hopefully the bid back to the NCAA tournament, the women's basketball non-conference schedule will be released in early September. I'm buying stock in the women's basketball program. I think it's going to be fantastic moving forward. They got a really good recruiting class coming in. Follow that team, a team that doesn't need any development, that's pretty much there to make a deep run already as it is most seasons, is the number 17 BYU women's volleyball team. It opened the season 2-0 and after a 3-1 set to 1 victory over Texas Rio Grande Valley. 25-22, 25-21, 18-25, 25-16. In the Elysian uh, Invitational, I hope I said that right, at Dahlberg Arena on Saturday afternoon. Three Cougars finished with double-digit kills, and BYU hit 311 for the match. Uh, if you're wondering what that means, 311 for the match, is that good or bad for volleyball? Think of it as a batting average for baseball. 311 is a very good batting average for baseball. Uh, it, it, it's solid. It, Maybe not spectacular, but it's very, very good. That that's that's how, how you weigh that out. Uh, the Vaqueros just uh, two sixty nine. Uh, they recorded nine more kills uh, than the Vaqueros, and the Cougars also outblocked them eleven to six and outdug forty three to forty to forty. Outside hitter Claire Little followed up her BYU de- debut with against number five Pitt with a game high seventeen kills, joining her with do- double digit kills. Were outside hit, was outside hitter Aaron Livingston, who had 15, and middle blocker Whitney uh, McEwen uh, Larenas, I hope I'm saying that right, whose uh, 10 kills uh, came on a team high 562 clip. That's really good. If you're batting 562 in the major leagues, you're doing really well. Center Whitney Bauer telling a game high 40 assists. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Oh, adding nine digs and seven kills. Uh, BYU women's uh, volleyball seniors uh, Aaron Livingston and uh, Whitney Bauer were named to the Elysian Invitational All-Tournament team over the weekend, and Livingston honored as the tournament MVP. One of the best outside hitters BYU's had passed through the program, which is saying something because BYU's had some phenomenal outside hitters. Um 
She paced the, the Cougars with 52 kills on a uh, 280 clip over three matches. She also added 23 digs, four blocks, two service aces, and two assists. Livingston's game-high 19 kills helped number 17 BYU to a 3-1 win over number 5 Pittsburgh on Friday afternoon. So congratulations to Livingston and the uh, BYU women's volleyball team. Uh, moving on to track and field, a total of five current and former uh, BYU athletes competed in various events across the uh, nine days at the World Athletics Championships. Current uh, BYU distance runner Kenneth uh, Rooks represented uh, Team USA in the 3,000-meter steeplechase, placing 10th with a final time of 8 minutes 20 second, and 20 seconds. Uh, alum Courtney Waymont finished 15th in the world in the 3,000 steeplechase with a time of 9 minutes, 25, 25.9 seconds. Former BYU pole vaulter Zach McWhorter placed 8th in the uh, men's pole vault with with a final mark of 5.75 meters or 18 feet and 10.38 inches. So congratulations to all the performers. BYU continues to pump out track athletes. And it's just a fantastic program. You're talking about uh, BYU women's volleyball, soccer, and track and field doesn't get any better than that for BYU. Men's golf. BYU men's golfer uh, Keanu Aquina took home the individual title and helped propel Team Utah to a team win at the 2023 International Team and Individual Championship at Paiute Golf Resort on Saturday. The rising senior carded 17 birdies in his rounds of, of 67, 69, 70 to finish 10 under par. After after the third round, Aquino was tied with Josh Goldstein and headed to a Sunday playoff, which ended as Aquino birdied the third playoff hole for the win. Uh, Team Utah consisted of Aquino, uh, Justin Schluker uh, from Southern Utah, uh, Stephen Croft from University of Utah. Uh, these guys are all alumni. And David Jennings uh, from Utah Tech. The team combined for rounds of... Uh, 208, 215, 214 to finish 11 under par and beat out Northern California team by one stroke. Boy, 11 under par and Aquina finished 10 under par? Boy, we know who carried that team, huh? (laughs) Props to BYU. Uh, Four Cougars are at the U.S. Air Force Academy this weekend to open the 2023 BYU men's tennis season. The ITA uh, Bedford Cup in the mountains features singles and doubles draws for Players from nine schools. BYU's Brian Chen, Dominique, uh, I can't even with that last name. Uh, yeah, Cole. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, Alex Len and Reed Owen will compete for singles on Friday and Saturday uh, from September 23rd to the 24th. Um, so good luck to the BYU men's tennis team. Uh, per Cougar Stats, always uh, get stuff from Cougar Stats. Love the Cougar Stats. In, 2020, in 26, 2006, uh, the NCAA made some drastic clock rule changes, which removed 10% of the plays from the game compared to 2005. The rules were so unpopular that they were immediately thrown down at the start of next year. In 2023, another set of clock rules will shrink the game again. Based on the small week zero uh, sample, the number of plays lost is about 8% and is the fewest plays per game this century. So why are you doing it? Stop it. You tried it again. I didn't know they tried it in 2005. didn't work, and they went back to, oh, okay, let's try it again. Yeah, that's a good idea. Stop it. The NCAA is a ridiculous organization. I hate everything about the NCAA, and this just has fuel to my fire. Stop it. Why are you trying to fix that which is not broken, NCAA? You're a ridiculous organization. Stop it with this nonsense. The only thing better than college football is more college football. The only thing worse than college football is less college football, and that's what you're giving us. So no props to the NCAA. Do away with this ridiculous rule. Stupid. Anyway, who is not stupid is Brett McMurphy, a friend of the program. Uh, Arizona State AD Ray Anderson said, School has informed the NCAA and the Pac-12 it will self-impose a one-year postseason ban for the upcoming season. In light of the ongoing investigation and our membership obligation, uh, to maintain the uh, confidentiality of the matter, we will not be commenting further at this time. Boy, Arizona State's going to be terrible this year. I, I it's just not going to be happening for that for that program. Uh, Should have held out inviting Arizona State and Utah to the 
Big 12. I maintain that. You could have lowballed them, but whatever. Anyway, moving on. P. Thamel also adds, a source said, the reaction to the meeting was devastating to the players, especially among the more than 20 seniors. The entire goal this year was to right the ship and make a bowl game, said an ASU source. Yeah, good luck with that. Also from Brett McMurphy, uh, the, the AAC is the latest league to announce a partnership with the U.S. Integrity, uh, USI, uh, to provide sports wagering monitoring systems and educational resources to the games, to the conferences, students, athletes, coaches, and staff to prevent participation in prohibited sports wagering. That's a very good thing. It's a black hole. Uh, sports gambling, it can be fun, can be very, very debilitating to anyone emotionally and especially financially. ESPN will televise uh, ACC football games at movie theaters this fall, along with uh, New Year's New Year's Six Bowls and the CFB uh, College Football Playoff in total about seventy five games this fall. I like that, Ronald. You going to a movie theater to watch a game? Are you down yeah, with that? I've done it for a UFC fight already. Yeah, it's really wonderful. Yep. Yeah, I would like that. I think that I think that's a fantastic idea. Gavin's over here just nodding uh, vigorously. Yeah, yeah, get me in on that. We should absolutely do that. I, I think that's a fantastic idea. Anyway, that's our that's your Cooking with the Cougars brought to you by Bout Time Sports Grill. And I think that's our show. Uh, I love asking this because I get so annoyed when Criddle asks me this. So I'm going to ask you, Ronald, anything else to add? Any any, any uh, comments? Anything to wrap up Ronald Weaver the third? Nothing. We're just going to be going down to fall camp. Um, listen tomorrow for all of our news and notes and sounds. We'll be interviewing uh, the defense. There'll be defense and media availability today. We're going to try to catch up with the cornerbacks in this J-Hill defense. So just give you a little tease on that. Very excited that it's game week finally here. I, I It's on. I'm very excited to see what's going to unfold. I'm glad that we're interviewing the defensive backs. Uh, because that that's where the story is at. That that's that's the that's where the introspection is. So, General General is always a great interview. So so yeah, uh, tune in tomorrow to see what we unfold uh, during the, uh, today's interview session. Anyway, that's our show. Thanks to all our sponsors. Thanks to all our guests, Brady Papinga, uh, Sean Walker. Thanks to Ronald Weaver the Third. Thanks to Gavin Lee on the social. Thanks to Ben Criddle for hosting most of the program. Anyway, uh, catch us tomorrow right here uh, on Cougar Sports here on ESPN 9.